0: It's July 20th, 2020. This is Rook. sometimes an effort not to get consumed by negativity as a member of the Iranian diaspora. If it's not what others are saying about us in all manner of stereotypes and generalizations, it's what we might say about ourselves, especially in the context of all the hardship Iranians have faced in recent decades. Maybe that's what makes a truly positive story all the more sweet to savor within our community. Today, a feature interview with a woman who's used her notable platform as a successful anchor person to promote Iranian culture and share some smooth Persian dance moves to boot. Shali zomaradi joins me from San Diego. This is Conversations From To and About the Iranian Diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. <music> Yes, yes. Hi there everyone. Welcome to episode number twenty-eight of Rukh. Hi Shaya. Hi, Hi. Groby Shaya.
1: Hi Zian. Hi.
0: How are you doing today, sir?
1: Yes, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right.
0: Thank you. I'm excited about our guest today, who uh is very well known in Southern California and most certainly in the Iranian community, I mean I'm around mm-hmm. the world um her energy is infectious uh i don't know how quite she does all that she does but all the power to her and i will ask her what her secret formula is along with Uh, wanting to hear her story of Um, course because she's like a superwoman uh before we get to shali as in just a few moments uh first of all i want to give a shout out to york national realty this is um in Aurora, Ontario, Canada, not too far north of Toronto. So the owner is a guy named Farid Amerion, uh, who has been. Is that right? Amerion? I
1: think it's Amerion. Uh, no, I don't no? think it's
0: Amerion. I think it's Amerion.
1: Amerion, uh huh. <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I. I want to give it a, a. The owner is a guy named Farid. Farid, <laughs> <laughs> who, uh So he's been listening to Rook and contacted us about helping out and has. Uh, Done a bunch of outreach like this for the Iranian community and events and projects, and uh, he's got this boutique real estate firm, which is a little over Mm -hmm. a decade old, and sees part of its mission as giving back to the community. uh, You know, Mm -hmm. so uh, this episode of Rook is brought to you by York National. Thank you to Farid and his uh, realty team. And uh, unrelated, speaking of community, going to uh, uh, I'm gonna at the end of this episode going to play a song uh, that I think is an exclusive first airing. I'm pretty sure this is the first time this has been heard anywhere in terms of actually on a on a podcast or broadcast. Um, a song released by an up-and-coming Iranian-Canadian singer-songwriter, a pop artist. Really like this guy. I brought this song in. And, mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you the whole story later, but um, I was worried that Shy wouldn't like it, but you actually, yes, you yes, like it, yes, right? Yes. It's good. <laughs> this guy, this kid is worth, we're going to get to this. This is at the end of the episode. Also, I'll give you an update from uh, Fainosa Laurie later in the show the gold medal iranian kickboxer who now resides in vancouver remember we were talking about did she get to open yes. her gym what's happening with yes. her next uh, bouts etc she gave me an update on the weekend so we'll get Great. to that and Shia, yes i can't even believe i'm about to say these words our website is up
1: oh really that's correct yes.
0: rockmedia.com uh i mean our show is new but isn't you know it's been a few weeks and we haven't had a website yet so uh, rookmedia.com are wow. you going to it right now yeah yeah all wow. right it's gorgeous so, wow. it's, yeah it's yeah. pretty good right so uh, i mean it's just the, the basic to begin with but all the episodes are there we're going to tell uh, everyone more about that later in the show there's some uh, surprises there as well so we will get to that but first Imagine waking up in San Diego at 5 a.m. with your eyes barely open and turning on the TV to watch the news only to see the charismatic anchor you've come to trust as a broadcaster and her crew dancing to Persian tunes in the studio on the air you can hardly believe your eyes and yet your ears are hearing <laughs> you might start wondering if you're still dreaming wondering where you are and if you were suddenly transported to iran and then suddenly she says music wake up let's roll thank you for airing into the weekend with me it doesn't matter if you can't understand the language good job eric come on raul no air. True story. You've probably seen it as one of the masses who have watched this on YouTube. To be sure, Shali Zomorodi is... Known for her cheerfulness, her superb dance moves, and her infectious laugh, she brightens up her audience's mornings and brings a ray of sunshine to their days. But beyond her ebullient disposition, Sholly is also an award-winning journalist and anchor who has been recognized as the sharp, trusted face of Fox 5 Morning News in San Diego for more than a decade. Born and raised in California, Sholly graduated from California State University, Fullerton, and earned degrees in journalism and political science. She grew up as a lover of arts and entertainment, including dance, and was actually crowned Miss Orange County, USA in 2001. Before joining Fox 5 Morning News, Sholly worked as a reporter, a producer, video journalist, and anchor for numerous news programs and television stations. She has interviewed dozens of politicians from across the American spectrum as well as many a-list celebrities and stars like Angelina Jolie and Black-eyed Peas. And throughout the years, Shally has received numerous awards, including the person to watch under 40 and the best anchor in San Diego last year, 2019. And right now, Shally Zomorodi joins me from Southern California. Hello
2: baby and I'm like blushing cheek to cheek I'm gonna like copy paste this introduction and anywhere I go I'm taking you with me
0: this is your life I mean what you know you've done all that what am I supposed to do
2: Did you mention the four kids in the middle of that? Did I catch that
0: I'm getting to the four. Oh, that that might be your most impressive accomplishment (laughs) as well as all of this. I'm getting to that. Uh, Listen, first of all, I hope you've been staying safe and sane in California with this new resurgence of COVID. It must not be easy there for you.
2: It is not. And it was just not too uh, long ago that we just heard that California schools are closed until counties can get off of a watch list for 14 consecutive days. So as much as uh, I lean on the advice of so many parents around me that tell me, Shali, you're living the best time of your life with your kids at home. We have been at home with four children under the age of eight for several months now, and it looks like it's gonna continue for several more months, and I'm gonna keep telling myself, best time of my life, best time of my life.
0: Well, it hasn't stopped you being on the air, so I'm gonna get to how you're possibly juggling all this at once uh, right now. Uh, But you know, (laughs) I should say, I was talking to my producer, Susan, about the questions I wanna ask you, and I said, This is a serious journalist. I don't want to start the interview talking about her viral hit studio dancing. And Susan said, no, go for it. She loves her dancing. So let's start there. You are an award-winning journalist. When did you first decide to inject the smooth Persian moves into your broadcast?
2: Oh, my goodness. I don't don't think there was ever a, a moment. I've been dancing for so long. I mean, I still remember when I started working for ABC in Southeast Texas, this is outside of Houston, where I probably was the only Iranian who lived there, 2002 maybe, that I would, on morning television, just manage to pair a little bit and <laughs> dance a little bit. And I would just put in just a little bit of Persian music with all the others. And, and it just continued and continued. It was really when I got to Fox 5 in San Diego... I believe it was almost 12 years ago, that um, every single year we celebrated Noruz on on TV. And I am so blessed to work with such an amazing team and have incredible bosses. And they're just so appreciative of, um, you know, just to who we all are, that I was allowed to put a clock uh, live on TV and count down and mm. set off graphic fireworks and hand out AD to people and dance on TV. And this started that tradition, um, you know, with a lot, and we just kept doing it every year. And now to turn my grumpy co anchor sometimes, he's the <laughs> sweetest guy in the world, but just to get people up and rolling at that godforsaken hour, Sometimes it just takes a little bit of doing something they're not used to, and it puts everybody in a great mood. So it's become a thing in our studio. You'd be amazed how many Farsi terms they use to each other. They call each other June. They're there all the time. They know how to say Nowruz, and they all wait for their AD every March anxiously in a line. Well,
0: I was going to say, I mean, you celebrate, <laughs> you celebrate Nowruz, and you, you give out the crisp bills, the AD, uh, you set a half scene table, you bring cookies to the studio for Nowruz. I love it. The most interesting part for me is that I totally relate to your pride, even though like me, you did not grow up in Iran. What, what makes you feel like you want to be an ambassador of sorts for our culture?
2: When I look in the mirror every day and I see myself a lot on TV, on social media, I I see in an Iranian, my eyes and my eyebrows and my dark hair and my features come from two incredible people who were born and raised in Iran. And I often look back and I, I wonder, and I'm, I'm sad that I don't know this part of who I am and where I'm from, is that of my family still lives in Iran. We're one of the few out of our immediate family that um, did leave Iran many, many years ago to start a life here. And though there was a really big chunk of my life that I could barely even speak Farsi, even though it was the first language I learned as a child because my mom did not know Farsi when she was here, there was something always in me that reminded me that I'm an Iranian uh, at the core. This is who, where I came from. These are who my parents are. And even when I look at my children today, I see their eyebrows connecting. I see their dark features. I see uh, the face of a of small Iranian child. Where we were born and where we're being raised may change some of the factors, but at the end of the day, that's where we come from. So I think it's it's followed me wherever I've gone. Um, it's just become much more uh, dominant now, and I'm, I'm very proud uh, to talk about uh, a country that I've really not been to, but I know it's where I'm from.
0: I hear you. I hear you. And I, I really appreciate it. And I... Uh, not only do I hear you, I I get it. Uh, uh, as someone who first grew up in the ethnic closet, not wanting people to know uh, post-revolution uh, as a little kid, you know, not uh, being worried uh, because they're going to call me a terrorist, etc. Um, one of the expressions I use with friends these days is I say you can't escape your packaging, and this becomes most apparent to me when I go somewhere like um, Southeast Asia, where people are, you know, they're they don't have lots of tact, they're very honest, and so they'll say, "Where are you from?" and I'll say. Canada, and they'll just kind of look at me and not—not <laughs> not to take anything away from the amazing diversity of Canada, but you know they're just like, uh, I don't think so, brown boy. Where did you actually come from, you know? And uh, and I really actually appreciate that. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, that's my, that's who I am. So I get it, I get it. But when it comes to the dancing and the celebrating, I wonder if there was a moment. I mean, it seems like a ridiculous question in in hindsight now, but was there a moment earlier on where you thought? i'm somehow going to be taken less seriously if i do this i have to hold it together and wear my shoulder pads and and not (laughs) not do any clearing uh for in case they think i'm not a serious journalist
2: you know as far as serious journalist goes i am i'm a storyteller and i've been lucky and blessed enough to work on morning shows for the majority of my career and i've always been committed to those morning shows because the formats have been positive and upbeat and it gives me the ability to be able to report on very serious news breaking news but be able to pivot and shift and cook something 15 minutes later or be able to go on the back lot and dance and laugh and connect with people because that's really a morning show is kind of what life is it's serious it's sad it's happy it's all sorts of things all bundled in one I necessarily don't know if I would do what I do if I was working on the 5, 6, 10 o'clock news. It's it maybe a little too serious for my personality. And uh, I don't ever... Sometimes I might have a, a moment that I don't want people to question my journalistic integrity. Having said that, I think that it, quite opposite has happened is that people have been able to identify and say, Whoa! This is like a young mom. She has four kids. She's tired as heck. She's, she gets up and smashes it every day, even though whether she's doing a great job or not doing a great job. This is what she looks like without makeup. This is what she's doing. This is how she's failing. This is when she's crying. This is when she's sad. This is what it's like when she's dancing. And I relate to her so much. And I get it that when something comes down the news pipe and when a story comes down that there is trust, that they can trust me, that I'm like them, that I am a mom and I am a person and I dance and I laugh and I cry and I'm not putting up this news anchor front. Not that that's what evening anchors do, but in some ways I'm I'm somewhat your friend, like I got you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's kind of what, what's happened at, at the end of the day. So I, I've had a few messages, people poke at me and just, you know, you're... You're, you're supposed to be a news broadcaster, why don't you just sit down and stop dancing? But you know what, this is life and it's so short and I'm gonna dance my way through it because I mean, I think it's clear There is enough pain that we all have to deal with from morning to night to begin with. So these little pockets of moment, I'm going to clear my way through it.
0: (laughs) When you talked about the person poking at you, uh, trolling you, you suddenly adopted the sort of a Texas accent. You had a, uh, (laughs) was was that intentional? (laughs) I
2: heard heard that in Texas. ah. I've heard it over the years. They have said it to my face. They have left voice messages for me. So I. And I know and and it, sometimes it comes from Iranians. So I mean I could I could do an Iranian accent very well. You should have you should hear some of the things I hear from um Iranians as well. In um, <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right.
0: Well, you know, uh, despite your youth, I mean you have become this institution and and Southern California morning programming, but you took such an interesting route getting there. So take me back. First of all, you've alluded to this a couple of times, but what was it like growing up as a kid with Iranian parents uh, in the American, uh, the the Southwest in, in the 80s and 90s?
2: It wasn't easy. It was not easy, um, and I think some might be surprised how proud I am to say I'm Iranian today, or my parents are Iranian, or how much I dream to go back to see Iran and my family there. If they knew what we went through growing up, um, I was called an Iranian terrorist when I was a very small child. The kids used to make fun of the eyebrows that now so many message and say, "Gosh, I wish I had your your thick eyebrows." Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was bullied, uh, you know, he's a a doctorate, uh, in plastic engineering, very well-educated man. And he, we, we saw a lot growing up, uh, in the eighties here. And I, I was one of the only, uh, Iranian kids, middle Eastern kids in the area that we had grown up and I, and I didn't fit in. And, um, I know I am confident so much of what I do today and to be in the position that I am today and be proud, came from my childhood here because at that time it was very difficult and i didn't understand you're a kid you don't understand why yeah. the kids are bullying you yeah. you don't understand why people are are calling you names yeah. i i didn't know what an iranian terrorist was at, at that point um and now i do understand it and in the position that i can be and have a platform and have a voice I am proud to say that, and I love it when another parent sends me a message and says, Shali, I showed this to my daughter, or I showed this to my son, to say, look, you don't need to be embarrassed uh, you know, to show who you are. My kids are uh, 8 and 6 and 3 and 15 months, and they are so proud to be Persian, and I hope they keep that as they grow up. I want to make it so comfortable for them. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to go through what I went through and shed the tears that I shed because it was painful uh, growing up here at that time. Uh, And fast forward this many years, Jan, I mean, I'm still on the subject of uh, comments and, and racial comments. I mean, just recently, not too long ago, I had a gentleman send me a message and tell me to go home. Um, wow, and yeah. it was after, I believe, some of our noru's coverage. Mm-hmm. And it, you were like, this is my-
0: to San Diego." Should I go uh, home? But to- I, yeah,
2: but I am home. But okay, <laughs> right,
0: right, right.
2: Um, I can, I can now. It, it hurts for a second. It'll sting for a second because what makes me sad about it is that as a mother to four young children, I know that at one moment i'm going to have to send these kids into the world and they're going to have to be able to face people like this so my whole job is to prepare them um, to not uh, lose themselves when they are confronted with people uh, like this uh, and do a a better job than i did because i cried a lot i mean i was bullied out of several high schools yeah um but, you know, it is what it
0: is, right? I experienced a lot of that as well, and I've written Mm -hmm. about it and I've talked about it, but, you know, uh, one of the things that, it is a different paradigm now, and it sounds like, one of the messages that I wish we had in the the eighties uh, um, was th- th- there does seem to be this notion of it's okay to be unique now, and my parents and I they're the best and I love them and I and I don't want to take anything away from them they were doing the best that they thought they could at the time but their message to me as a kid was you're just like everybody else. Don't let anybody tell you you're not like anybody else. You're just like anybody else. And the problem with that was I wasn't like everybody else, right? I had a big nose, I had browner skin, I had a funny name. And so that message didn't quite work for me. What have you learned about how to overcome those situations and what you tell your kids?
2: Well, my dad used to always tell me i have, i have really big eyes big green eyes i got my daddy's eyes and my brothers also big dark eyes dark eyebrows and i remember the kids used to always make fun of me in school why are your eyes so big why are your eyebrows so bushy why are you so dark and i would come home crying and my dad would say to me honey just tell them that my eyes are so big so i can see right through you hmm. and at that moment, I didn't get what he was telling me. It was later in life that I started to understand that my dad was saying, you be you. You be you. You do what you need to do and and don't worry about the people around you. You are different and it's okay to be different. Mm. Um, and that is what I tell like my own kids now. I had a, I believe it was a gentleman, send me a message uh, not too long ago and told me, To go fix my daughter's eyebrows and and she's three to go fix her eyebrows and to go fix her face so that she doesn't turn out to be like me Gian, this is going to exist it existed back in the 80s and unfortunately we're seeing it exist today and and come out in so many different forms it's going to be around it's not just going to go away But what I'm hopeful for is that with this generation, just like you said right now with your parents and and your families, that maybe as we are changing and this generation comes out, what can we teach our kids on how to handle it? We can't control all of them, but we sure can control us. We sure can't control how we're going to react to it. I can sure control how many tears I'm going to cry. I sure am going to control if I'm going to lose myself and lock myself in my room for three days and cry and think that I'm, I'm not worthy that I do have the power to change and that's the one thing that I'm going to teach my four little babies and I work every day that you be you you do you and even if people want to come with this hatred or non understanding or whatever you want to call it you return that with love you return that respect and just walk away That's been my biggest lesson is just walk away. Sometimes it's just not worth it.
0: It it certainly, I would imagine, makes a difference uh, what community you're in and the kind of community support and diversity you might have. So, so being in rural, uh, Tennessee is going to be a little different from being in, in, uh, Los Angeles. I'm under the impression, as I recall, having visited there and loved it a few times, uh, San Diego, there's a large Persian community. Does that make a difference with respect to say your daughter and the eyebrows and those kind of issues?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Because you can't go to the store and not hear somebody speaking Farsi in the store in Southern California. Um, so that when you see it around, you feel okay. This is home. Okay, there's other people like me because we're all trying to identify with somebody. Whether it can be a race, whether it could be a group, it's a set of friends. It's a. It's a. a, a a hobby that you like all of us are trying to find ways to be able to identify so it's much easier to do that here in southern california when we have these massive festivals and concerts all the time and and you can't do that when i went to southeast texas i was like i could hear the birds chirping i'm like oh i'm all alone out here Mm. um but you know that took a little bit more work and within seven months of being there I was teaching belly dancing classes and, and putting <laughs> Persian music on and I had almost 75 students being exposed to dance and culture, which dance and music and, and food is a powerful vehicle for me to be able to give doses of our culture and our on um, our traditions to people it's a very beautiful way to be able to do it without even like people realizing that you're doing it you know uh, i have i have Americans, uh, non versions all the time they'll send me a message and say shali what does their tea mean <laughs> what <laughs> does june mean and, and i love that i love it that they're learning that or can you spell shalom shapat for me i like that music <laughs> all right right Perfect.
0: By the way, I love how much of an A-type you are uh, personality. It's it's not enough to go to East Texas and belly dance. You have to teach the belly dancing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what
2: else am I ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen Shali Zomarodi. <laughs> yeah, you know, let's just dance the rest of the day. <laughs> uh,
0: this boundless energy that you're known for, and your positive, up, upbeat disposition. Uh, you're clearly a performer. I'm, we're hearing it jump out of the speakers right now as I talk to you. <laughs> were you always this way as a kid?
2: um i i think so i mean i'm the i fir- i'm the only girl in our family and the first child i mean if you ask dr Holakui, i think that has a lot to do <laughs> with uh, my personality i've always been the teacher and the leader in 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 our family so yeah i think but i mean it's gotten a lot louder recently i know <laughs> i should tell i told i tell my husband i gotta see someone i gotta tell him this down <laughs>
0: as the platform gets bigger you know you can't contain you can't contain the shali it's good um <laughs> Uh, how does the girl who um, was crying in the bedroom and felt like an outsider and was uh, bullied for her looks or felt like she didn't quite fit in become Miss Orange County? Uh, tell me about that. And in, re- in retrospect, was that an experience you cherish or you feel a little shy about?
2: That is an experience that changed my life. I wouldn't be on TV and, and a journalist today if it wasn't for the pageants and the crown. Um, I I was working for a little cookie store in a mall um, at 16 and there was a sign up for sign up to do a a beauty pageant and I went to my parents and my mom was like what's a beauty pageant like it just wasn't something our family knew about or did it it was foreign to everybody but I, I mean I got the papers I said okay I mean I can go do this and I got myself an evening gown and that Gian starts the beginning of a maybe 10-year run I had with beauty pageants. And I ended up winning a very local title at that time and started competing. I won Miss Orange County USA. I Miss Orange County USA. And I was Mrs. California not too long ago. So all pageants, I think now that I look back and I I reflect, is the girl that everybody told me was ugly or couldn't make it, was never going to make it all of a sudden, I found this arena that I was like, wait a minute, I I can't make it and I can do it. And when I was Miss Orange County, I think I was like the shortest one and not the thinnest one. And I ended up winning. And I know that it was because I could speak on stage. Hmm. And there was substance of what I was was saying um, that Miss Orange County turned into going to miss california i was in law school at that time um, i pivoted away from doing journalism and that's a whole nother story that involves my now husband who i've been with for all, more than 20 years of my life and i won an award from journalism that night for kttv in los angeles fox la And to make a very long story short, I ended up going for winning a day at the studio and that turned into an internship and it turned into a a job and I never went back to law school. So um, if I did not compete in those pageants and I did not get that crown and I wasn't in that world, uh, we wouldn't be talking today, you and I.
0: It's a perfect segue, thank you. I wanna get into your broadcasting career. But just before we get there, it occurs to me that um, say whatever people will about uh, beauty contests, positive or negative. It, it would take a lot of confidence, especially the first time, to put oneself out there in a, in, a, in a beauty contest. As a teenager, as a person in your 20s, where did you get the confidence to feel like you could do that?
2: My dad, I, a lot of people say when they see me, I'm like a spinning image of, of my father. And he came to this country and was 18 years old uh, from Iran went to school to a university here, built everything, had $100 or $200 the way that he says in his in his pocket and built everything. Nothing was handed to him. And the confidence that I grew up watching him do all of that, even when people told him he couldn't do it and he's not going to do it. And he did do it. I often in the darkness when I drive You know to work at three o'clock in the morning i have these these are that's my only quiet moment of my very loud day i Mm. think about these things is why am i here where i am today where did i get the drive to do what i do and getting up 20 years of my life in the middle of the night i had four kids everybody told me i couldn't do it and i did And when I draw it and I connect it back, a lot of it comes to my dad and to my family and to my mom.
0: When you end up getting involved in broadcasting in the early 2000s and uh, you work at a number of different outlets, including VOA and and then a bunch of TV stations, broadcasting and broadcasters have become much more diverse in the last decade or two. It wasn't always that way. I mean, I know this personally. When I first started on TV in the early 2000s, there were very few, if any, Middle Eastern guys on TV in Canada. When you started, did you feel like you were somehow – at a disadvantage because you weren't blonde, because you weren't white?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it took me a really long time to get a job. I remember I used to take my tapes to the post office and I would I would do like a little prayer. I'm like, please let this be the one. Somebody please call back. And I, I would send tape after tape after tape after tape to station all across the country, like market like cities that I didn't even know existed in the United States they were so small and nothing and then nothing and then nothing and no call back and no call back Uh, and yeah I did think at that time maybe it's maybe it's my name maybe it's uh, the way I look because you would see the the broadcasters and and what the typical you know the hair was like and the faces were like um but I I think that that changed um Quietly and also very quickly, without us having like a moment to say, you know, we're we're having a lot of moments in yeah in our society, yeah. in our world right now. I don't think there was a moment where all that changed for broadcasters. I just think that it just started happening, and now you blink and you open your eyes and you just have all kinds of beautiful faces all over TV, all over media. I, I love it. It's yeah. It's, yeah. So it almost see.
0: seems ridiculous to ask the question now, but for those of us who remember, I mean, I remember there being a time where I never considered changing my name, but I remember thinking, you know, with, with this name, you know, that's not going to work. So did anyone ever recommended th- that you have to change your name?
2: No, no, I was never, nobody ever said anything to me about it. I've never really had a problem. I love my name Shally I love telling the story of shalio Shalizaro, where my mom is from Rashed, and i've always found that to be um fun like a fun talking point a uh, still to this day people call me Shali sometimes on tv um Zomorodi, it's like good luck with that but i stood with that i said you know what you're good you're gonna say my name i'm gonna <laughs> yeah. teach you how to say Zomarodi, and now these people I've been on TV in San Diego so long that most people know oh it's Shali it's Shali Zamarodi and they say it so well that I get like goosebumps I'm like yep see when you don't change your name and you just stand there at some point they'll get it they'll get it just give them time
0: by the way Farsi I make fun of myself I don't know how did you learn to speak Farsi
2: I, uh, Gianna, I forced myself and i half blame my husband now because i i like i mentioned when my mom uh, came here my dad married my mom from iran and brought her back here she didn't know any english she learned english from tv so i was a baby and all i knew was farsi then i went to school and i'm like farsi what by the time i got to <laughs> i mean junior high high school i could barely speak and it wasn't until i met my husband that I was kind of reintroduced to the Farsi world that I, his parents were, um, my husband came here when I th- believe he was six or seven. So they're much more Iranian and speaking Farsi and whatnot. And then I got a job at, you know, Voice of America that I had to speak Farsi again. And I forced myself, like you talk to me, I didn't answer you in English. I answered you in Farsi. Right. I, I still have a last year and I don't communicate in Farsi the way I do in English. Um, but, I can speak. I understand what you're saying. You talk about me. I know exactly what you're saying. about. <laughs> what about,
0: about what about reading and writing?
2: I don't know how to read or write. That's the one regret. Excellent. What, you can't either.
0: I'm illiterate as well. I, I mean. <laughs> I can very if you give me a sentence and give me about an hour in a room I can work it out <laughs> but that's the best well, that's I can good, do good
2: because you're like five steps ahead of me for me all the Farsi comments that come through my poor husband he does read and write Farsi I'm like constantly honey what does this say honey what is this person saying honey <laughs> so he's constantly yeah, no. like monitoring and trust me I do Farsi. that too I, 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 I'm I, jealous I'm jealous
0: so, so uh, you mentioned your husband this is let me come back to what I I said I would in terms of juggling your life because you you do seem like something of a wonder woman you do a a daily major morning show that you have to wake up at 3 a.m for you're the mother of four children you still have time to do dancing with the stars you express your love (laughs) of cooking on video you do the shalzi podcast how do you do this how do you balance this this seemingly madcap life
2: I don't I, I don't think I can say I balance it because there's some days that I it I'm just a hot mess uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I have days that I'm just on the floor, I have tears, it becomes too much. But I always shift back to, I have one chance at doing this now. and time is gonna time is gonna move. It's gonna go. Mm. What do I want to do with this time that I have? I am often asked by people is how do you do so much? You amaze me. And there are some people who will, very few, but say, you're just showing off. And this is not normal for someone to do. Uh, I hope what I share with people is never a show off because that's not what I'm about. I'm never about to make people feel bad or they're not good enough or they can't. What I hope by doing and sharing this is that you can. And even when it's impossible... It's still possible and you can get up in the morning and you can shift your energy and smile and you can be a good mommy and still have bad days and you can be a news broadcaster when everybody told you that you're not going to make it. I see so much bad in Gion. you could probably relate to this as being somebody who's in the journalistic world. So much bad that happen in people's lives every second of every day, and you see people's lives changing in an instant. That I feel so lucky to wake up every single day, and, ha- and I count my blessings. And even when I think it's bad, I'm like, oh my gosh, let me go to the newscast after, after like three minutes of reading the news. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Life's good. Mm. Let's let's keep smashing uh, smashing away. Yeah. So that that's kind of where how I answer people that ask me is that, how do you do so much? And um, a lot of social media now is even fueling me more because there've been so many people that reach out and say, Sholly, I'm a mom of two. I have depression. I can't get out of bed. You don't know how much you motivated me to dance with my kids today. Hmm. Sholly, I have stage four cancer. There's chemo being pumped into me right now. And I cannot tell you what you and your family and your daughter and your dancing has done for me. You make me want to live. I don't know these people. I've never met these people. But let me tell you, I get up and I dance extra for these people and I cook more for these people and I do all of this even more. I'm normally like this. You ask yeah. everybody around me, I'm normally like this. But I do it even more now because there's such a thirst for it. And people, people are connecting with it. So if I can do it and I'm not mm-hmm. as like, there you go. I'm happy to I'm happy to share this with you it's not so just, you can do
0: the same. It's not just in in broadcasting and journalism that you run into those bad stories. Look, the people of our having doing this show, Rook, and and talking to Iranians, even the successful and impressive Iranians who it, within our community, uh, there's been so much that people have gone through in the last few decades that almost anything that we go through in our western difficult uh, uh <laughs> lives in a in a big city with a job or whatever is is um pales in comparison to having to escape a country because you're going to be executed or uh, the, 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 the terrible things that people have had to go through. So I hear you on that. Um I still want to know about the mechanics of how you do all this. Are you really self-disciplined? Do you do you carry are you somebody you ga- carries so do you have gadgets that say between 1 and 2 p.m. I'm with my kids and then from 2 to 3 my assistant is getting my dry cleaning is it like that?
2: I don't have an assistant.
0: Yes you do. You I probably do. have four assistants.
2: I do not have an assistant. There's the people that like really get mad at me when they want to like say you have a nanny, you have an assistant, you have a team of people. I really you know I have family. Gian I have an incredible family my in-laws are my neighbors my mom and my dad live very close to me I have brothers around me I have a cousin um, who's like my little sister and she lives with me now uh, I and I have and my husband and I show up every single day like when we show up every <laughs> single day driving these kids around and I am extremely organized like I have a planner half my planners already booked through twenty twenty two now All right. yeah <laughs> uh, coronavirus is like pushing everything aside and and down to the T to the hours yes I do look at my day my kids have taught me to be more flexible things can't be rigid but yes I do I do if you open my planner it will say family time mm-hmm. it will say are you OCD no, I'm not OCD, okay. but I cannot do what I, I'm definitely not OCD. You should come see my house. <laughs> but I, I understand the importance of being organized. You can't do what I do and have the amount of children that I have and whatnot if I'm not a planner. And I'm always thinking ahead. If I'm like right now, I'm planning Noruz of 2021 and 2022. Wow. That's how far in advance my brain um, processes things. And, and that way it alleviates the stress at that moment. Um, so that if I need to get things done for parties, I do it now. I'm shopping for Christmas right now.
0: (laughs) The downside of that, uh, I mean, you're living such a rich, full life, but it would be hard for uh, an old friend to hit you up on Facebook and go, you got time for lunch tomorrow? Like, that's just not going to happen, right? Oh, yes, it would. It will? You can have those spontaneous moments still?
2: I have been a big fan, jean for having a person in your life. I have been blessed to go to marriage, family, self-therapy for maybe 14 years of my life. I know it's a taboo in, in our culture. I say just as you go to get your brain checked out or your teeth checked out, your heart checked out, you get doctors for all these things, you got to have a doctor for up in, in your head too. Yep. There's so much emotional stuff that happens in this world that... Uh, Nor normal human can understand how to process that. And I, you want to talk about having a team of people and how I get it done. I have people I lean on for advice, for guidance, how to manage my stress, how to wipe those tears, how to allow myself to have that downtime. There was a period of time that I was so go, go, go. This is maybe more than a decade ago. But through just self-learning, I said, you know what? We're going to create these pockets of time in our life that we do absolutely nothing so that when things do come up, we can get up and say we're going to go walk to the beach. Or if my friend calls and needs me to, to talk to me, I can get up and go to a restaurant and have a glass of wine and, and do that. It appears that way maybe from the outside because you get like five, ten posts on social media and it's you. It, I make it seem like it's chaotic, but you don't see me just chilling on the couch or you know, reading a book, which I don't do often, but it's it's there. I I definitely make time for it because there's no way any car can continue to operate at the speed that I go if you don't turn it off That's and right. put gas in it every so often.
0: It's great that you recognize that. You you're so open about who you are and, and uh, I really appreciate that in this interview, but you're also, you've mentioned the social media a couple of times, you're quite open on social media and in your podcast. You talk about your husband Bruce, you talk about your children, um, you open up about your life and your family. Tell me about opening up yourself as much as you do on social media. That, as we know, can certainly be a mixed blessing. It's a, it's a minefield for all of us. Um, uh, tell me about making that decision. <laughs>
2: I don't even know how many years I've been on on social media. And I don't think when I started this, I ever imagined I was going to do what I'm doing today to be so active and so connected with so many people around the world uh, with this. I know that when I posted news stories, the reaction from people, minimal, medium, okay, this happened in the world. When I posted me in the kitchen cooking, everybody was worried about the knife that was over my shoulder, the tomato that was on the counter behind me, and all the details and the amount of feedback that we were getting was just hands down tenfold compared to just even big news stories that were coming up during the day. So it took some time for me to say, wait a minute. So this is what people want to see this is what they're connecting with this is what's motivating them this is what's bringing us together okay let's dance more okay let's cook a little bit more and in the middle of all of this i was able to continue to share the important stories this story is going to affect you this story might affect your family this is going to affect your health okay but let's go back and dance a little bit more let's go back and cook a little bit more why don't you see what my face looks like at three o'clock in the morning when I don't have makeup on, give me 30 minutes and let me show you what my face looks like when I do have makeup on. Let me show you what it's like when I'm in the car with four kids and all four of them have had a meeting and said, you know what, we're going to drive mom and dad crazy and scream at the top of our lungs right now. So these raw moments of life is what I have found is connecting me with other human beings on this planet. Wait a minute, I'm a mom, my kids do might do that too. And Shali, thank you for showing us what your face really looks like that you're not makeup and lashes and and you don't you don't care. It's not like a front because all of us, when you take off my lashes and the makeup and you take all this out, we're all we're all the same. We're all struggling with the same things in this world. We all have most of us have money issues that we're dealing with, emotional issues. We get into arguments with our friends. We don't talk to our husbands and wives every once in a while. And I think we came to a point as our family because there was a few years that my husband didn't really want to get involved in the social media world, found it very invasive. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes he still does, but he just said, you know what, let's go for it. If it's going to bring this much good to people and it's changing people's lives and it's motivating them, then let's just go for it. And we're going to have to take the bad with the good and we deal with it sometimes daily. Um, and when it becomes too much, then I'm going to walk away. But for right now, we're dealing with it.
0: He's very patient. I've watched some of your <laughs> your, <laughs> really,
2: your podcast yeah, videos. Tell me what else do you think about him?
0: <laughs> I, I, well, I've watched him. You know, he's sitting there he, like patiently while big personality Sholly is running the show. And and you know, you bring him in every once in a while. How do you sit get closer? Say this. I mean, he's you know, I, he seems like he's an amicable guy to kind of. Uh, to work with on these things uh but of course uh, <laughs> every relationship has its uh, it takes two to tango so I got it, it, it sure um, does. Uh, um do you when you open yourself up that much um and you've got the following that you've grown to have you've got it there's got to be trolls there's got to be people that once in a while say horrible things how do you deal with that
2: I have not perfected it because there are times that I allow it to hurt more than others, especially when they're targeted towards my children. Um, Not because what anything that anybody has said to me, I know where I stand, who I am, what I'm about, my motivation. And I'm all about just love and acceptance and bringing people together. That's just every bone in my body is, is that. But when you target my kids Um, when you target my family, it stings for a moment when you target my, my business, like just who I am, I have days Gian that I want to hit the delete button. I I think one day, if I ever leave broadcasting, there is a really good chance that without announcement, I would delete everything and live very quietly because a lot of people do have that privilege. Mm -hmm. I I've, and I know this is my choice. Again, I understand all of this is my choice and I've accepted this. But I, I've explained it as if social media is me opening my front door and I'm welcoming you into my house. You know what my bedroom looks like. You know what my kitchen looks like. You know what my face looks like in the morning. You you know what my bad days are, my good days are. You see my parties, et cetera. You see it all. But what I am sad about and it hurts sometimes is I feel like sometimes when you're standing out the window and these are what I look at social media people, they're standing at your window and they're watching you and they're looking inside your window with permission of course but then they start to pick up rocks and they're starting to like throw them at you and they're using the information that they're seeing the ones that you you quote unquote we call trolls they know more about me than some of the people who really love me i mean they can detail my everything that i do down to the nitty-gritty and they're watching me but they hate me they hate me and they want me to know that they hate me. So some days, if I'm really tired or if I'm having a bad day, it becomes harder to di- digest that. Just because I know that there's people like that that exist in this world. Not because I, I think uh, what they're saying is true. Maybe subconsciously, it takes me a little bit back to my childhood when there was those bullies and that meanness that was there. Um, but, again... I've leaned so much on so many mentors and people around me that are just so educated and so enlightened that they ground me and they help me find my balance again, that all of this comes from because of them. It's not me. I trigger something in them. My happiness and my goal getting and my wake up and let's dance and the attention that that brings triggers things in other people for the most part. And I've had to accept that. Like it, it, it just like the name of my podcast, it is what it is. This is the reality, but I have, I have the power to now not be the way that I was when I was a young girl and cry and go in the corner and lock my door, even though I do have those moments every once in a while. But now I just stand up, not in a very mean way. And I just walk away and I keep pushing forward and I seek the people that I can connect with.
0: It's empowering talking to you. I, I know I can't keep you forever. I'm just going to, uh, uh, just a couple more questions. I want to go because I want to travel back from the personal to the professional for a couple of moments and sure. and, and ask you about being a, an anchor, being a news anchor, someone who was named best anchor in San Diego, a big market last year. What do you believe is the key to being a great broadcaster?
2: I think today the biggest key is being able to connect with people. Anchoring and doing the news thing. I get tons of kids that send me message. I want to be a news broadcaster, I want to be a news broadcaster. Everybody, even when I was a kid, it was about being on on TV and being able to tell stories. Now it's can you connect with people? And when you get that connection with people, then you can talk about the stories that um, and things that are happening that it affect in lives and having those conversations so that they can make changes in their lives. They can protect their their families. And that's what it's all about for me today. I love that I have the ability to get information faster than anybody. And when I see something go down or some breaking news comes through or I'm hearing something about coronavirus that is not a conspiracy theory, that I can pass that information. And, and now I call these people my friends is look at this, read this, digest this. Now go do what you need to do with this information with your friends and and with your family, and that's why I get up in the middle of the night, and I, as tired as I am sometimes, I do this every single day because I, I love what I do with every cell in my body, and I. This is the most incredible ride I've been on. I don't know when it's going to end, and I'm so grateful for this time that I have. That I look back and I can't, I cannot believe I've been doing this for 20 years.
0: Is it hard for you to maintain a posture of objectivity all the time? I remember seeing an episode of your your morning show when you had a US policy analyst or a military person or someone on last year talking about Iran during those massive protests in November. And I think he even referenced at one point, well, you have family back there. And I wondered how hard it would be for you to not be speaking out in that kind of circumstance to be able to, to have to sit there and be the anchor
2: yeah it, it's challenging Jian, because uh, my job is as much as possible to stay very balanced and neutral you won't see me a lot i get poked around a lot sometimes about why don't you talk about this so much and I, there are some broadcast networks and cable networks that they get paid to share what their opinions are um but that's not what i do on the morning show every day i'm so, supposed to be as much as possible, neutral and balanced, pre- present someone's side, let their opinions talk. Obviously, all of us are going to have a little bit of, of bias. I mean, right now, when a story comes down, you know, when the plane crashed in Iran um, not too long ago, I was obviously emotionally invested in it more than my co-anchor would have been. Yes. Um, so you can hear the passion in my voice when we go to an editorial meeting and I want it, I want the story on the air because I feel like it matters, all of our opinions matter. Um, so it, it's a fine line that I have to walk often. Um, it will never stop. The whole journalistic journal- journey that you go on and you know this uh, as well is a choice that you have to make. So sometimes it'll come out and sometimes you can feel like, oh, I really want to say that, but you know what, I'm going to save that for another time. Or when we go to commercial break, I'm gonna lean over and I'm gonna say something to that person at that time afterwards.
0: This has been such a pleasure. Let's end off where we started with your, uh, <laughs> with your dancing and your ADs. <laughs> if you were to need to put it in a nutshell, what do you really want people to know about Iranians and Iranian culture?
2: I have never lived in Iran but what i do know about it is that it is a magical magical beautiful culture it is so rich in tradition the iranian people are amazing they are kind they are beautiful i speak with so many of them through social media now and it i love it i absolutely I just go through the moon when someone from Iran sends a message to me and says, Shali, I'm on this side of the world. and We're we're dancing with you. I hope one day I can stand in the fields, and I've shared this before, in the fields of Shalizar, where my name comes from, and really be able to experience Iran like so many uh, have. But... Until that day comes, the beauty that I know of Iran, the Iranian people, the food, the dance, the culture, all of it, I will continue sharing with all of my friends uh, here in, in the United States. It's an incredible culture and I'm so proud to say that my parents are from Iran and that I am also an Iranian American.
0: Beautifully said. Thank you for this.
2: Thank you for this, Dion.
0: Did we stay within the window that you have blocked out in your schedule book? (laughs) Because <laughs> I really, I need a screenshot. Gian? I need a screenshot to know whether we, whether I went over the the, the scheduled time. Because you know, I sh-
2: remember we are all supposed to be staying home, so those windows <laughs> that we have right now are very fluid. I'm home a lot more than I used to be right now, so we're good.
0: Take care of yourself. Hope to see you in in person soon, and I hope you guys stay safe in California during this um, wacky time.
2: Likewise, Gian. Thank you for the time.
0: Hodafis. <laughs> office. Shalia Zomorodi is an anchor with Fox 5 Morning in San Diego, the host of the Shalzi podcast. She joined us from Southern California today. Oh, come on! I dare you not to get somehow a, a shot of adrenaline from that "Shahram Shahparia" and the song "Paria." That's uh, uh, a song that we know Shali dances to sometimes <laughs> in the studio, amongst other songs, and uh, it's infectious. Is no surprise why. What a what a pleasure it was speaking to her. Uh, she's just got that. She's just got fantastic energy. Huh? Yes, yes. Huh, and her story is, I mean, there's uh, obviously a lot of things that I could uh, completely relate to in that story uh, as someone who grew up all entirely in the diaspora but feels my Iranianness uh, the way she does. Um, but uh, again, it's remarkable just how much she balances too in terms of what yes. she does with her life. Uh, but it was clear talking to her. You kind of there's, you kind of you can imagine her dealing with everything. She's got yes, it all under exactly. control. <laughs> you know, it's really, really <laughs> yeah. impressive. Uh, okay, so I mentioned that I was going to talk about a couple things at the end of this episode. Um, one of them is that our website for Rook is finally up. If you know, if you've been listening to Rook, uh, in our first few weeks of existence, you know that it's almost become something of a sad running joke that we don't have a website. We now have a website, and it's, uh, it's called rookmedia.com. Of course, Rook is spelled R-O-Q-E. Rookmedia.com is the website. And we've put a couple of things up there, including Shia, with your blessing and, and mine, I guess. Uh, the full version of our theme song, which is about three minutes long or something. Uh, So people have been asking us since we started the show, where do I get the theme song or how can I hear it? And um, so now you can hear it.
1: I really love that that theme. Every single episode that we started.
0: You didn't at first when I, uh, be honest, when I first brought that to you in the in terms of like uh, uh, the melody and the chord changes, you were kind of like, eh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I almost felt like you were taught offing to have to, you know, you were like, okay, I'll work on this with you, you know. Yeah. And then now, look.
1: No, yeah. yeah. No, I, happy I, camper. Yes. <laughs>
0: Well, the whole song or the, you know, our, our instrumental version of that, that Shia and I have uh, worked on is at, uh, rookmedia.com. Uh, I think you go to the, there's one page that's just audio, that's SoundCloud. If you want to listen to the episode on SoundCloud, um, and, uh, and at the top of that there's uh the whole theme song also you can subscribe on our website so we can finally um start building our rook community with subscriptions to our website it's free to subscribe obviously and uh all the episodes are there we're gonna it's it's still a work in progress we're gonna keep building it but um uh, rookmedia.com is there and check out the full theme song there i also mentioned that um Farinoza Lauri was our mm-hmm. second guest that we had on uh, episode two of Rook uh, back in April, I guess. And uh, she is the champion kickboxer, this amazing athlete fighter uh, who won the gold medal for Iran. Um, then, uh, you know, she, she wouldn't wear the right clothing. She wouldn't uh, abide by all the extremely restrictive rules uh, and was condemned and uh, by by the Iranian authorities or or sanctioned Uh, she couldn't fight for a few years it's another very difficult story she finally made it to Canada where she's now fighting with the Canadian team and uh, kickboxing out of Vancouver Mm -hmm. and she had opened a gym with her uh, husband who's also a kickboxer well you guys if you haven't heard the whole story episode 2 of Rook now available on our website (laughs) but but um To compound her own sort of uh, dramatic story, of course, was that she had just had to close the gym because of COVID. COVID, I mean, she's still competing as an athlete, but she has this gym as well. Uh, It's called District Warrior in Vancouver. And um, I I talked to her this weekend and uh, because last week we were with the Rooked Roundtable Everybody was wondering what well, somebody sent a letter or something, wondering what's happened to the Fire Nose's gym. And uh, so, I guess, with this gradual reopening post COVID, uh, District Warriors now open. She said that um, they can only allow a certain amount of people in at a time, but she said that there's so much demand that they're actually doing better than this time last year. Oh. So, that's a nice story. Yeah. Um, And once again, thank you to uh, York National Realty for uh, helping to bring this program to you with Shali Zomeradi and for giving back to the community and for all the work that those folks do in Aurora, Ontario, Canada, York National. Thank you to the amazing Rook team that have uh, uh, helped to put these episodes together and continue to, uh, and all of you folks who are out there supporting and subscribing and uh, sharing our content. Now, I said I wanted to go out on a song, Mm by so a, a week ago or a few days ago um a, a guy reached out to me on on instagram and uh or i guess on instagram or facebook and 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 said hey i'm a, a musician i'm a young uh singer songwriter and i wrote this song he's a persian guy uh would you listen to it and honestly I, I i don't want to sound dismissive at all but i sort of take these things and go okay you know i guess i'll listen to it and and uh, send him a nice note saying, "Okay, thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, I listened to it. It's great. Yeah. It's a really good song. It's a really good song, a really good pop song uh, that has kind of Western chord progressions. It's got the mi- major minor in the verse, and then uh, this this chorus that it sounds kind of like a Western pop song, but with a with a Farsi uh, language singer. But he's a fabulous singer. So th- this guy's name is Navon." Mm-hmm. He left Iran when he was twelve years old, and he tells me that um he was he grew up in a religious family and he always wanted to be a musician and wanted to be a singer and uh did not really have that opportunity in Iran because his father was quite religious and kind of Ooh. forbid it in the house uh They come to Canada first to Montreal and uh, where I think he went to high school. And I guess his father started to get a little more open to letting him follow his dream. And so he did a bunch of musical theater and, and sang in high school, et cetera. He's 23 years old now. Uh, he has just completed or he's completing a, a degree in finance like a good Persian wow. kid. Yeah, <laughs> But uh, he's decided to pursue this, uh, this music career. And it's actually a lovely story where he was kind of... Um, depressed and and not I mean as he told it to me and not feeling great about himself um and uh what he what he was not doing which is he was not pursuing music this was two or three years ago or and he went to a con an ebby concert I guess mm. in Toronto because he lives in Toronto now and um, got to meet Ebby and wow. was so inspired by Ebi. And then at the same night, I think, met Bobak Amini, the, wow. the, the fabulous uh, yeah. uh, guitarist and, and songwriter himself. And Babak's been something of a mentor to Navon. Anyway, Navon has just released his first, uh, Navon sounds like Navar. <laughs> it's nice. a handy name. He's just released his first couple songs, including a brand new song that he released a few days ago. This is the song that he sent me that I thought was so fabulous and that you're into as well, Shy. So uh, this is a cool tune. Uh, we dig it, we hope you like it. It's called Bozzy, this is Navon. If you like it, follow this guy, because uh, he's got the chops.
1: Yes, uh, I think the thing that I like most about his music, the mixture between Persian and French. I I, I I like the, uh, His
0: first song I mean he's only got two songs yes, far, yes, But the, his first song he, yeah, this, Was Persian the, French I, I think C Called yeah, C yes, the yes, yes, Very nice yeah, yeah. Uh, So this is Navon And Bazi. Thank you so much again For listening today Mizun boshin. I'm going to bed Every night At four
1: in the morning I'm fucking
0: tired <laughs>
1: خودم از خودم بی خودم رفتی و من از رفتنت خون خودم رو میخورم نمیدیدم ایچه اخبری دست من پس بدی من تو دل نباوری میری من از دست بدی آروم آروم میکوشه منو آخرین فاسل آروم آروم رفتی کندین را به تباته I'm going to lose